At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the Gospel. God, praise God, man. So good. You know, I love, and, and that's the idea. As God blesses us, He blesses us to be a blessing. Right? Not just to increase our wealth or increase, you know, our comfort level. He, he blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. And I don't, I don't know where you're at. You know, Jerry, it was great to hear from you a couple weeks ago. I, I, God did that in your life. And, you know, we all have stories. Um, so make sure you tell the story. If, if God, when God does that, make sure other people know. Because he does it so that you can proclaim his excellencies. Um, that's why we're doing the food outreach. Joe, thanks for mentioning that. The Thanksgiving boxes. Um, we believe that God can bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. Uh, that's why we're doing the food outreach on the 24th, um, providing 100 plus families with a week of groceries um, free to them. Uh, not because the food is going to give them eternal life, but we believe that uh, things like this build bridges of love that's strong enough to carry the weight of the gospel. Um, it builds bridges into their life. It gives us a, f a relationship with others so that we can share with them the good news of Jesus. Uh, so be a part of those things. Be, you're a blessed so that you can be a blessing. Well, let's take your Bibles, if you would please, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, I'm really excited about the passage this morning uh, because really it's short enough that some of you are going to take this home and you're going to memorize this because you realize that, wow, this is too good to just like hear it on Sunday. I need to memorize this so I can recite it to myself often. Uh, encourage, it's only two verses, verse 9 and 10. And it's a list, so sometimes it's easy. Guys, you know, your wife tells you, here's what I need from the grocery store. You say, no, don't write it down. I can memorize that. And then you go and you're at the store and you get everything on the list. Because lists are easy to memorize. So, so this is a really good passage for you, for you to memorize. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, we'll start in verse 9. You know, there is an intriguing short story from Russia uh, that, that helps us understand maybe a little bit about this passage today. It's a tale about a, a priest who is at the end of the day, as the sun was set, curfew was about to start. He was hustling home before curfew hour did hit when he encountered a Russian soldier who stopped him at gunpoint and said, stop, who are you? Why are you here? Where are you going? And the priest looks at him quizzically and says, sir, how much do they pay you to do this? And he's kind of taken aback and said, well, three kopecks a, a month. And the priest said, sir, I will give you three kopecks a week if every week you stop me and you ask me those questions. Who are you? Why are you here? Where are you going? Mm. Isn't that good? Three questions that will help us understand really our purpose for life, our identity, our destiny. Who are you? Why are you here? Where are you going? The further off we are in those answers, the more 
chaotic and difficult our lives will be, the more we can hone in on the true answer, the more we'll have clarity for how to live. The more we'll have confidence with how we live. The more we'll have direction on where we will, we will go, where, what our decisions, uh, where our decisions will take us. So that's why I say this passage today in verse 9 and 10 answers those questions and they're worthy of memorizing. If you are into memorizing, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the people that would say they're not and I haven't memorized anything in the last few years, right? Not since a kid where I had to get those multiplication tables down or that poem they had to recite, right? That was for kids? Nope, that's for us. Your word have I hid in my heart so that I would not sin against you. So wrote David when he was six years old? No. So wrote David as an adult. So that's very good wisdom for us. Remember, this letter, 1 Peter, was written by who? Who do you think wrote 1 Peter? Peter, Simon, thank you, Tessa, aren't you something? Simon Peter. Uh, He wrote this letter to believers who had placed their faith in Christ, but because of that, faced opposition from their community and were really driven out of their home, uh, driven out of their hometown. And so they were scattered throughout modern-day Turkey, living in communities that, where they felt unfamiliar, they still felt the threat of the Jewish community and now the, the Roman community as that began to build So Peter wrote this letter that was intended to be taken from community to community to community where there were gatherings of Christians so that they would be able to make sense of this and know what do we do now that we're in a, really in in a time in our life where there's chaos and there's questions and we've lost a sense of community. Last week we looked at the previous verses where he gives that word picture of the of a house that is built, that this house called the church is built on a cornerstone who is Jesus. It's a cornerstone that had been rejected by the world, right? John chapter 1, verse 11 said, the world did not receive him. He came to his own, but they said, no, we don't want him. But those that do want him can be called the children of God, is what verse 12 says. And so Peter takes that and says, this is the living stone, the cornerstone upon which we build our life. And actually, you are all living stones built on him. And so together we have this living, moving community called the church that has a purpose. In verse 9, he begins to get us into that purpose for our existence. So let's read verse 9 and 10 of 1 Peter chapter 2. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. In these two verses, he carves into our minds this idea that believers are God's redeemed people. So he's speaking to believers. The previous verses, when he talks about the cornerstone, he kind of divides the world in two groups. He says, there's, Jesus is the cornerstone whom the world rejected. So that's one group. There's a group of people in our world that have not received Jesus. They've rejected him. 
Then there's another group of people that have received and they believed in him and so they are now living stones in this household. Right? So that's the other group of people. So if Peter were, here to, Peter were here today and were to read this letter, he would basically be saying, okay, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. You're on one side or the other. You're either on this side that says, no, I have not received Jesus. Or you're on the other side of the line that says, yes, I have received Jesus. In Peter's simple way, he helps us understand that there's not like all these different levels of the Christian life. It's not like, well, yeah, I do. I like him and I think he's cool and I love his teachings. I'm not like, I'm not like all in. But I, I think, you know, he probably did exist. And rose, I mean, he rose from the dead. How do you explain Easter? It was Christmas, so he was born. So yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm there. And Peter would say, well, that doesn't sound like you're on this side of the line. It sounds like you're still on this side of the line. You know about him. But you, you have not believed in him. You have not put your life into his hands. So you're still on this side of the line. You're still in the group of people that have not received Jesus. That means you have rejected Jesus as the cornerstone of your life. And then there's these other group of people that said, I've given my life to Jesus to the degree that I was even persecuted for faith, but I did not abandon him. I did not walk away. I'm still in the faith. I'm still, I'm still following him. I'm just hurting. Peter said, let me talk to you. And these verses we're looking at today are those people that have said, I've accepted Jesus. I've accepted his forgiveness. I am in his family. I'm part of the living stones that make up the church. So before we dive into this list of uh, of identity, let me just pose that question again to you. Which side of the line are you on? Have you, have you made that decision that says, yes, I believe. I believe and I've given him my life. It's not just one of the things that I do. You know, I go to church once in a while on Sundays and, you know, I do all these other things, but you've said, I'm in. I believe it. Not that I understand everything, but I believe who he says he is, and I believe that he is my only hope for salvation. So if you're not, if you're not sure where you are, you're probably here. And all that it requires to move to the other side is simply by faith, placing your hope and belief in Jesus. Just acknowledging, yes, he is the son of God. He's given his life for my sins, and I accept his gift of forgiveness. And you move from darkness to light. <clears throat> so like, since, since Peter did, I'd like to do this. I'd like to speak to those that are on this side of the line. This is, this is the people that have said, Jesus is a cornerstone, many people rejected him, but I have accepted, I've believed in him. Let me talk to you. First of all, we need to know who we are. Peter makes sure we understand our identity. When he writes, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. He was helping us understand our identity. Now notice a couple of things. First of all, he's speaking to a group. Those are corporate words. I mean, uh, collective words, right? So, so nation, 
um, a race, a priesthood, a people. Those, that's speaking of a group. There's, a, there's individual elements to it. In other words, you can't be... You, it has to speak to an individual, but it's speaking to a group of individuals that, that then come together in a collective way. So he's speaking to gatherings of believers and telling them this. First of all, you're a chosen race. Now, as we look at this list, know that Peter's not like pulling things out of the air. He didn't look at, okay, what's the word of the day? What are, what are the cool like slogans that I want to grab and apply this to the church? That's not what he did. In fact, he went back hundreds and hundreds of years to God's words throughout human history and said, God said this 1,200 years ago. God said this 800 years ago. God said this 600 years ago. He's, all, he's, he's telling what's, what he's going to do and the people he's going to gather to himself and Peter says, I want you to know that who God talked about 1,200 years ago, that's you. So this isn't a fly-by-night thing. This is an ancient prophecy that's coming to pass. He says, you are a chosen race. Isaiah 43, so about 650 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah writes, you will be my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself that they might declare my praise. Out of all the people in the world, God would choose people who would believe in him. He would say, you are my people. You are my chosen race. I chose you out of all the people in the world. The word race is a little interesting and I don't know if... Nobody asked me to translate a Bible. I'm not sure if I would have chosen the word race from, from, what, from what, what I understand of that, of that Greek word, of genos. It's a word where we get generation. But it's the idea of family or offspring or countrymen or God saying, you're my chosen tribe. You're the tribe I've, I've formed, your group of people, but I've chosen you to become a part of it. You're my offspring, my family, my tribe, chosen out of all the people in the world, presently 7 billion plus, but you add to that all the former generations, you come up with a lot of people and God says, if you've believed in Jesus, he says, I just want you to know I chose you. For the foundation of the world, I chose you and you and you and you and you and you. I chose you to be part of my tribe. Peter says, it's really important that you remember that. He says, you're a royal priesthood. In Exodus chapter 19, God rescued the people from Egyptian slavery and he said to them at Mount Sinai, he says, for you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples and all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You will be a kingdom of priests. He's speaking to Christians that would have believed in Jesus and now living in some foreign world. You're not in heaven yet. You're living in some country on the face of this earth. So if you believe in Jesus, he's speaking, he's writing specifically to you and he says to you, you are part of the royal priesthood. He's not, he's not writing to the 12 apostles. He's not writing to like everybody that has reverend in front of their name 
or that has been hired by the church to like talk on Sunday. He's speaking to everyday Joe and Josephine. The men and women who work at the mill and the, um, and the, the water tower and the people that teach the kids at school. And, and today he's writing to the people that spray foam and engineer parts and they, um, and they fix cars that get dinged up and, and they build cabinets and they teach kids. And he's writing to those people, you and me, and saying, I just want you to know, you're part of the royal priesthood. What does a priest do? He represents the people to God, right? And he represents God to the people. So he's called people that have placed their faith in Jesus into this category. Okay, now I've chosen you to be part of my tribe. I love to bless you and I'll take care of you. But part of this is now representing me to the world. This is my world. He's said that many, many times. This is the Father's world. He created our world and now he placed us as his followers, as his representatives in the world to represent him. So when you're a student and you're at school, you're representing God to your student body. When you're in your neighborhood, representing God, or the, God to the people there at work, um, with your class, with your coworkers, you are God's representation to the world. But that other, the other dimension of that relationship is true also. You, you actually can go to the throne of God yourself. You don't need an intercessor besides Jesus because he has brought you to God the Father so that you have free access to the throne of God in Jesus' name. So let's draw near with full confidence to the throne of grace, knowing that we'll find grace to help in time of need, is what Peter is saying to them. He's saying, I know, you feel far from home, you've, been, you've lost your homeland, but the reality is you're a priest and can go right to God. You can ask him for those needs that you have in your life. You can intercede and pray for people to the Father because you have free access to the King of kings. You are a royal priest. You're a holy nation. Holy is that word for set apart. You're, you're, you're separated from sin, but not just from something. It's all, holiness is always from and to. You're from, separated from sin towards God. So he moves us, he's called us to be people that move away from things of brokenness, things that hurt and, and wound, things that, um, that degrade, you know, whether that's the way we speak or what we put into our body or what we do with our body, whether it's how we use our mind or how we use our tongue, all those things that can be destructive and hurtful. We've been separated from those things because we're holy. We're separated from it. But it's not just don't, it's do. It's use your words to breathe life into people. It's to use your body to do good and helpful things. It's, it's to have a spirit and an attitude that brings encouragement to the lives of people. So you're a holy nation, separated from sin to God. That's you. This is what, when you say you are a child of God to that person, whatever you've ever said that to, this is what you were saying to them. As a child of God, you're chosen. You're royal. You're part of the priesthood. You're holy. 
And then he says, you are a treasured possession. You are God's own possession. Paul wrote earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, my life is not my own. Don't you know that your life isn't your own? You've been bought with a price, so glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. This is who we are. We're treasured. We're loved. And I know a lot of times we don't feel that. And Naomi, I kind of heard that in your voice. These things don't happen to me. Because sometimes we don't feel treasured. But the reality is we are. Maybe the world doesn't treasure us. Maybe they measure us based on lesser things. But the Father says, I measure you based on who lives inside of you. And that's my son, my spirit, he lives inside of you. So you are my, you're my temple. You're where I've chosen to reside. And so you are precious. And you're tenderly cared for. Those things do happen to us. And the more we embrace this, the more we can be healed of self-loathing and insecurities and fear and worry. I mean, if we, if we could recite to ourselves in that moment when we're so anxious and we wake up in the middle of the night and we don't know how it's all going to work out and you feel all those failures compounding on you again, if you could say, actually, I'm, the truth is, I'm chosen. I'm royal, I'm holy, and I'm precious. I'm in his, in his tribe. He's chosen me as a priest, I'm part of his nation, and I'm his possession. Oh, circumstances will still whisper to you, but they won't whisper so loudly. Because his truth will overcome. Because that's who you are. And that's why I say, man, this is a really good passage to memorize. Stop. Who are you? <laughs> that's the answer. I'm chosen. I'm precious. I'm royal. I'm, I'm his. Why are you here? Why has he chosen you? Why are you a priest? Why are you part of his nation? Why are you his chosen, precious possession? It answers that in verse 9. The verse continues. You're a chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, people of his own possession, that you may proclaim. That answers the why. Right? It's, it's so that. So that you may proclaim his excellencies. Or in other words, to make public his awesomeness, his amazingness. What an incredible God he is. That's why he's done all this so that you can be a part of radiating his glory to the world, of proclaiming his excellencies. It's really interesting that this word proclaim, this is the only time this word is used in the entire New Testament. But it's used numerous times in the book of Psalms. Psalms is a book of worship. So as the psalmists write that we proclaim many times they're describing what's done in the temple as we're proclaiming the glories of God or, or what we do when we see the splendor of the world, we proclaim the splendors of God, right? So we're worshiping him. So this is a worshipful word. 
Peter says this is what you do when you gather together as, as part of this holy nation, people, tribe, priesthood. You gather together and you worship. You declare to one another is the, the splendor of God. You might say, yeah, but we know those things. Yeah, but we need to hear them again. We need to hear those characteristics of God and those attributes and that powerful work of God in our life. It also is a word that describes what we do towards others, right? There's, the, there's that community influence of reminding each other of the excellencies of God. But the reason we're still here on this earth is because there's people not yet part of his nation, not yet part of his tribe, not yet part of the priesthood that need to be. And so we proclaim his excellencies to the world so that more people would be drawn into his kingdom. So it's good. I'm really glad you came today. I'm glad you're tuning in. That's awesome. That's really great. But remember, we're here today so that we're more in tune to go out of here today and make an impact in the world. We proclaim his excellencies so we can go out there and proclaim his excellencies to the world. So great way to end your day today. When you're going to blame your head on the pillow instead of watching that last Netflix episode you wanted to catch up on instead of that maybe lay your head on the pillow and just say father did I proclaim your excellencies today just filter your day through that evaluate it a great way to wake up today tomorrow is to wake up and to say father would you cause me to proclaim your excellencies today I guarantee it would change the outlook of your day. If you understood that is why you're here. That's why God gave you another day to breathe his oxygen. You know, it's pretty precious. It's a precious commodity and you're consuming it today. Why would, we let, why would he let you soak up all his resources? Why? Because he wants you to proclaim his excellencies to the world. Thirdly, verse 10. God wants you to know what he's done. Peter says, here's what God has done. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So he's writing to the believers to say, remember, it's awesome to know who you are, but don't forget who you were because that will help you treasure who you are. You didn't always have God's mercy. In fact, the Bible's description of us before we experience his mercy is pretty stark. I mean, think of some of the words that scripture uses to describe those who have not received the cornerstone, have not received Jesus. This is scripture's words. Don't be offended. No, I don't want to offend you. Maybe the word of God needs to. Here's what it says. If we have not received Jesus, it says we are in darkness. We are in sin. We're the children of the devil. We're destined for wrath. We're lost. We're condemned. We are spiritually dead. All of those words scripture uses to describe us in our condition before we experience the mercy and grace of God in our life. So Peter says, now, that's who you were. 
Once you remember who you were so you can embrace and celebrate who you are. You once were not a people. You didn't have a family. Now you do. You are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now that you are, now that your heart has been opened, you've accepted by faith what he's done for you. You are chosen, holy, royal, treasured. You're a family, a priest, a holy nation. You are embraced. So Peter, and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these things. Here's who you are. Here's who you were. This is who you are. This is why you're here. This is where you're headed. Why? Because we need that fuel for our life today. How many here would say, the past couple weeks have kind of been hard for me? Is there anybody here that would say that? Yeah, okay, so let's get together and let's remind ourselves the truth. This is who you are. This is what God has done for you. This is who you were. This is who you are. This is where you're headed. So embrace that. We need that. It's like, it's like fuel in a fire, right? We had a bonfire last night. It's a beautiful season for bonfires, isn't it? You know, if you're in a place that allow you to burn um, stuff in your yard or whatever, right? And we, we did that last night. We had family over. We were celebrating birthdays and graduations or whatever. And so we had this bonfire and we got it. It was early. We didn't want the kids to be up late because they get grumpy in church. Um, so... So we make this bonfire, we put it together, we sit down, and we get distracted by this pile of leaves, we start jumping in the leaves, and then we go over here, and we sit in the lounge chairs, and, and, and we're playing, and we go inside, and whatever. After we lit that fire, and Liam, I think, once stoked it with a stick, we walked away. And it wasn't long before I looked out there, and you know what was coming out of my firing? Just smoke. Just smoke. Flames? No. Just smoke. Why? Well, one, I probably rushed building a fire. But two, the reality is nobody was there to replace any logs or to stir it up or to take my tower they built and kind of knock it down so it would, you know, would, would have this nice, continually flowing, burning fire. Nobody was there to fan it and feed the oxygen. That's kind of what a, a roaring fire needs. There's no wind blowing across. Yesterday was a very calm afternoon and evening. We didn't have fuel. And the reality is that's what happens with many people who have experienced God's mercy but have not made it a commitment to gather together to fan the flame. They, they've, they've, they've maybe, maybe believed part, part of what Peter has said. They believe they're chosen and royal and holy and precious, but they forget that they're a tribe and a nation and a priesthood and a people group. And so because they've neglected the group, they haven't experienced the fan and the fuel. It's so essential to growing in a vibrant walk with Jesus is to realize that he has saved us into community, into a family. Oh, you can't take these individual applications um, out, but nor can you neglect the group reality. You are chosen. You're his child. 
maybe it'd be really good for us to say, we are chosen. We, in fact, let's say it together. We are chosen. How about we are family? We are family. We're the priesthood. We're the priesthood. We are precious. We are precious. We are his. We are his. That's you. It's you old people. It's you young people. It's those believers over there. It's, the, it's those that are working and you're right in the prime of life. There's those that are retired and wondering, okay, what's next? There's those that are healthy. It's those that are maybe not so much as a child of God. You are his. What are you going to do with that? I'm going to throw it at Wes Baldwin. But I won't now. Yeah. We are holy. Yes, you are holy. Exactly right. Exactly right. Pray with me. Father, we delight in what you've said about us. Oh, we can't take pride for ourselves. We didn't accomplish any of this. It's not, it's not what we've done. There's not one of those characteristics we've talked about today that we built. It's all what you have done. In fact, even that, even that response of faith, we believe, Lord, that you have stirred that in us. Because as spiritually dead, we cannot respond. But you have stirred in us, Lord, as you've chosen us. And by faith we've responded, and I praise you for that. Lord, we need to keep our eyes on you to walk with confidence that you are perfecting what concerns us, that you, Father, will do great and mighty things, that through Christ we are more than conquerors, that together we are the temple of God, that we are to proclaim your excellencies, Lord. So I thank you for what you've called us to be, that you've equipped us to be, Lord, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to fan that flame of reality that's in our minds, Lord. I pray for those that want to join us, that are even watching online, Lord. I pray that you just affirm them, help them know, Lord, that distance cannot change reality. Lord, that they are part of your family are part of yours, Lord. May you enable them to have that time with other believers. I also pray, Lord, and I pray, Father, for those that have heard your voice, they've heard your drawing, and they've never taken that step of faith by stepping over that line to say, I'm in. I pray that in this moment, right now, in the quietness of their heart, they would say, Father, I'm in. I respond. I, I, I accept your gift of salvation. Lord, may this be the day of their salvation. We thank you for that, Lord. Lord, stir in us the flame. Even as we sing together, as we close our time, Lord, I pray that we would leave this place with ambition and zeal and confidence that you are at work and you want to work in us and through us as we show and tell the world the excellencies of Jesus. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.